Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. Welcome to another edition of Word on the Street. This is a special edition to cover the continuing unrest in capital markets following the new UK government's announcements or mini budget announcements last week. I'm pleased to be joined by Will and JP to try and make sense of everything. Will, we've seen markets continue to react this morning, with some citing interviews given by the Chancellor over the weekend. Do you have anything to add from, to your comments from Friday? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, hello, Sarah, hello, JP, hello, everybody. Yeah, the points Olivia made ahead of the weekend are worth reinforcing, actually. So these are high conviction politicians with a very specific and strongly held view of how to get the UK out of its kind of, you know, the productivity slumber we've all been talking about for the last few decades. And as we know, some of that's global, but some of that's UK um, specific. To that extent, you should not expect them to be deterred uh, even by some of the scenes that we saw, you know, the extraordinary market scenes we saw on Friday and this morning. But I do think like the market reaction that we're continuing to see in, you know, UK government bonds in particular this morning and a little bit in sterling. But that does highlight some of the difficulties that are facing them. Uh, you know, the tax cuts are substantial. But if you're thinking of where, you know, marginal tax rates went during for instance, the Thatcher regime, for example. Uh, remember, in the 70s, the highest rate of income tax was 83, uh, 83%. That's during the 1970s. So Thatcher, uh, Prime Minister Thatcher uh, then reduced the highest tax rate uh, from, uh, I think, 60% in 1980 down to 40% in 1989. So, you know, if you look at where taxes can go further or where they're coming from and where they're going to, there's just a bit less kind of scope to, to do something meaningful with regards to the sort of corporate taxes, we didn't really talk much about that last week. But, you know, again, we would lean against the idea that there's huge kind of pent up international investment waiting to come just based on the tax rate alone. A lot of the things people look at Ireland on this and often sort of other poster children for sort of ever lower tax rates. But remember, a huge thing for international investors is not necessarily the tax rate you pay, but the ability to see clearly what tax rate you're going to continue to pay throughout your time, uh, the time of investment. So stability is quite important there. With regards to deregulation, you know, again, I just want to sort of reiterate. We don't necessarily operate, given sort of, you know, the international league tables of silly and onerous regulation. We don't feature very highly on that table. In fact, we're somewhere near near the bottom. We, we, we're not a, a sort of high regulation or high silly regulation economy, not, not by most international metrics. So you might argue that the ability to kind of really stimulate supply and the answers being lying there to the productivity uh, slump, which need to, given sort of, you know, the potential increase in borrowing and spending, uh, they, you know, that 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 there's, there's it's quite a big ask in many ways. So I've got a lot of questions today, but I want to start off with expectations for the Bank of England. JP, what has changed in the last couple of days, and why is Sterling so weak in that context? Yes, hello Sarah, hello Will. So yes, indeed, that's one of the elements where you see the reverberations of of the of the announcements made. So Bank of England interest rate expectations. Uh, We see that expectations are now quite aggressively being priced in that policy rates need to go up a little bit higher and a little bit faster. So we see that now, for example, if you look to summer 23, that the policy rate will likely sit above 5.5%. That's current expectations as embedded in in financial instruments in markets. Today, we are at 225% as a policy rate. So that means that, that, that they need to go up quite a bit from here. 
Uh, as Will just mentioned, the tax cuts that have been announced have come at a time when, ele- when inflation already is uh, very elevated. Uh, and, and this yeah, g- gives investors a little bit the sense that the Bank of England will likely has to do more. Remember, it, it's also that sterling has fallen year to date slightly over 20%. And for a very open economy like the UK, those kind of cur- currency shocks are very important if you need to set policy on inflation. Typically, if you get these kind of currency shocks, they will last for two, three years. That's often what the academic literature says, if you get those kind of significant uh, currency shocks from open economy. So that puts the Bank of England slightly in a more tricky position, that if the government does more on the fiscal side, that monetary policy probably has to do a little bit more to stem uh, the inflation ripple true effect. Is also something we directly see in fixed income markets. So we'll just mentioned also just gilds, for example. But if we look at the gild market, we see that for 10-year gilds, the interest rates at the moment are just over 4%. At the start of the year, we were very close to 1%. So also clearly there we see a shift in uh, what investors demand to uh, to lend to the UK government. So JP, I wanted to ask, are you and the team tempted to add to our sterling position in our short-term package of positions? Uh, as as with always in, 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 in how we um, monitor and manage client portfolios is within the context of the various bids that we look at and how we feel the macro landscape is, is shifting. So early in the year, we had been underweight uh, sterling in client portfolios. Uh, and, and now, given we have seen quite significant moves, it's one of the things that's on our radar. But it's also important to highlight we've seen a lot of different moving parts in portfolios. So we've seen uh, stock markets so far year to date have had very significant drawdowns. We see in particular fixed income. So government bonds have been struggling with all the efforts to get interest rates up. Uh, so there are different elements where we are looking at client portfolios and see, well, one, do we think there is a moment to start increasing some of the exposures? It's also important to point out a little bit that, especially with currencies or exchange rates, these are more tricky than if you have an asset where you can get a dividend or have an interest rate that you get on on, on the investment you make. And also after, the, for example, the first Brexit referendum, you could argue that sterling was in territories that was often seen as cheap or where there is some value appearing. At the moment, given that we have had an episode of very strong US dollar, it, that's less the case at the moment. So if you would compare sterling to the euro or look at a real effective exchange rate, which essentially is a basket of different currencies you trade with, then at the moment it's not excessively ex- uh, uh, cheap at the moment. Okay, well, that's helpful to know. So what are you and the team most worried about in the world beyond the UK at the moment? Oh, that's a great question. So that's something we often ponder about. <laughs> well, we we are we are now clearly and in 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 a very different regime or in a different decade than we've been in in the past decades, uh, and and that makes it quite tricky for investors if you need to go on the macro landscape, how growth is developing or how economies are responding to different shocks. And particularly the inflation regime is now very unclear. So we've seen a very concerted efforts of all central banks to lift policy rates. And at the moment they do that in a very muscular way. So we see them increasing policy rates by almost 100 basis points per meeting. And still a belief among investors that somehow the economies will take this okay and will slow down just sufficiently to to take away the pressure on on price rises. Uh, Of course, this will take time and this will not go in a straight line. So that's clearly something we, uh, we, we are looking very closely to. 
And especially since we've come out of an almost unprecedented pandemic, we've come through a Brexit process, there are some structural shifts happening in economies, and it's very unclear how exactly these policies will ripple through the, the economy. And, and that nervousness is also something you pick up when you look at capital markets. So we've seen very significant moves uh, so far this year. Uh, and, 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 and at the moment, you see that, yeah, therefore, investor sentiment becoming quite depressed. It's that shift of that uncertainty and and interest rates being increased at such a rapid pace. Thank you, JP. And maybe we'll come back to you. We had the Italian elections at the weekend. The result was broadly as expected. Is there anything for us to think about from an investment perspective? Not too much at the moment, I think, Sarah. I mean, the sort of, you know, the centre-right coalition, I think the statistics are that it's likely going to secure the second largest parliamentary majority in Italy since World War Two. Um, but it's short of the sort of supermajority, well, short of the supermajority it would need to sort of make uh, constitutional change without recourse to the population, without referendums. Uh, remember in Italy, you know, that the formation of the new government is going to take some time. I mean, the sort of current estimates, given the sort of hoops that everyone's got to jump through, you won't see a the new government operational until at the beginning of November or late October at the earliest. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's very interesting. So far, sort of, you know, Madame Maloney has been making sort of quite conciliatory noises with regards to markets. And the stories are she's been having weekly calls with uh, Mario Draghi, ex-ECB chair and the guy who stepped in, you know, the head of a technocratic government, which is, you know, this is where we why we are where we're at after his government collapsed. So there's a sort of degree of continuity promised. And that's important, as we know, with regards to Italy, because there's a need to continue to access the European bailout money uh, or the European uh, recovery fund money. So, yes, again, sort of room for manoeuvre is quite limited, as with all policymakers in many ways at the moment, just because of uh, events. You know, JP described some of them. It's a pretty tumultuous backdrop where uh, this generation of policymakers have really got a lot on their plates. Yeah, definitely a hard job at the moment. Um, So any final messages from either of you for our nervous or any nervous clients out there? Well, of of course, course it's very understandable with all the events that we see happening at the moment that that it makes, yeah, potentially a lot of people a little bit more uncomfortable in when thinking about investments and with the volatility we see. But yeah, as we always continue telling our clients, is if you have a diversified portfolio and you spread your risk across a range of different assets, then always the best thing is to stay invested and and, and ride out these these waves of volatility. Yes. And JP is far too modest to say this, uh, but we are very lucky here, as you know, and some of the competition do as well, but I obviously think we're the best here. But, you know, we're very lucky to have teams of specialists. Uh, You know, JP has... Uh, strategic and tactical asset allocation specialist going into him. And then we've got, you know, Ian Elwood and team looking at the sort of manager selection piece and help with portfolio construction. Uh, You know, all of those specialist guys working to sort of, you know, build, uh, you know, as robust as possible multi-asset class funds and portfolios. And believe me, it is a full-time specialist job for all of these guys. So don't underestimate the amount of work that goes into, uh, you know, making kind of robust long-term, you know, trying to be robust long-term multi-asset cost funds. Uh, and remember, you know, remember not to let your time frame shrink too much if possible. Remember why you're investing in the first place. And it's not to be able to time the ins and outs. Yes, the current backdrop looks uh, pretty ugly. But remember also that uh, investor, in, you know, most markets are forward-looking. Um, so that means that and we look at, you know, 
JP and I and team, we tend to look at something, you know, investor sentiment as one measure of sort of what people are expecting. That is extremely depressed at the moment, suggesting that a lot of the bad news we think we can see uh, is already incorporated in prices. That's not to say that the world economy gets easier anytime shortly or, you know, that the UK is suddenly going to boom into the sort of sunlit, you know, sort of roar into the sunlit uplands of an economic boom. But the future doesn't have to, uh, generally, I think it's probably unwise to sort of extrapolate downwards from the current moment. What you're investing for is to access all of that future productivity and future innovation that the world's economy will, in my opinion, definitely produce. And that's why you're investing. So don't get too kind of bogged down in the current moment and all the headlines that are uh, designed to uh, help you pick up newspapers and various other articles and read them elsewhere. It's really about that long-term story. And if you think that we've finished with innovation and inventing new stuff and get it better at using it, then, well, probably investing in stocks and multi-asset class diversified portfolios is not so much for you. But I personally think that's probably way too pessimistic of you, particularly what's coming in terms of artificial intelligence and all the other stuff we bang on about the whole time. So do please get in contact with us if you have any questions and uh, and suggestions. But otherwise, yeah, try and stick with it. I think that's the best best advice we can give, as JP much more succinctly said. Oh, brilliant. Thank you, Will. And thank you, JP, for helping us make sense of the current situation and leaving on a bit of a positive message there at the end. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. I look forward to speaking with you all soon for another Word on the Street. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation. All tax rules can change in future and their effects depend on your individual circumstances, which can also change. We don't offer personal tax advice. You should obtain this independently if you are unsure. Investments can fall as well as rise in value and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance.